What's grown depends on what's sown. That's a truth that all farmers and gardeners understand based on their experiences of farming and gardening. When a farmer plants a field of corn, for example, he does not expect to reap a harvest of tomatoes, at least not in that particular field. When a gardener plants some geranium seeds in the flower bed in front of her house, she does not expect petunias to grow there. Father Ray, this is common sense. Yes, it is, at least when it comes to corn and tomatoes and geraniums and petunias and other plants that are grown from seeds. But the thing is, my brothers and sisters, this particular principle, what's grown depends on what's sown, applies to other areas of our lives besides farming and gardening. And in many of those other areas of life, sad to say, the truth is not so obvious to a lot of people. Either they are unable or maybe even unwilling to see the connection between certain ideas that are sown into the minds of modern men and women and the actions that result from those ideas, or you might say, the actions which grow from those ideas. Case in point, Bruce Jenner, now known to most of the world as Caitlyn Jenner after undergoing what's commonly referred to as a sex change. Although that's a misnomer, hopefully everybody realizes that. As Father Roman Manchester put it in a letter he wrote last week to the Providence Journal, no amount of surgery, hormone therapy, makeup, and women's clothing will ever change his Y chromosome to an X chromosome. Now, I don't watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians on a regular basis. I'm sure that surprises some of you, but I don't. However, after all the hoopla in the media surrounding Bruce Jenner's actions, I decided to tune in the other night for a couple of minutes. And I am very glad that I did. At one point in the program, two of the Kardashian daughters were having a conversation. And one proceeded to say to the other that Bruce was having surgery that day. Surgery obviously related to his physical transformation. Well, immediately after she did that, there was complete silence between the two of them. Those girls just stared at one another with these dazed, confused, very sad looks on their faces, and the camera kept going from one to the other, to the other, to the other. That silence and those looks said it all. They spoke volumes. I think that deep in their hearts, those girls sensed what Dr. Paul McHugh, the former head of psychiatry at Johns Hopkins Hospital has been telling people for years that, quote, this intensely felt sense of being transgendered constitutes a mental disorder. A mental disorder that he says calls for, quote, 
understanding, treatment, and prevention. In a column that he wrote for the Wall Street Journal last year, Dr. McHugh also makes the point that so-called sex reassignment surgery does not solve the problems that transgendered people have. In fact, in many cases he makes the point that it actually makes their psychological and emotional problems worse, a lot worse. Listen to some of what Dr. McHugh wrote. He said, we at Johns Hopkins University, which in the 1960s was the first American medical center to venture into sex reassignment surgery, we at Johns Hopkins launched a study in the 1970s comparing the outcomes of transgendered people who had the surgery with the outcomes of those who did not. Most of the surgically treated patients described themselves as satisfied by the results. But their subsequent psychosocial adjustments were no better than those who didn't have the surgery. And so at Hopkins, we stopped doing sex reassignment surgery since producing a satisfied but still troubled patient seemed an inadequate reason for surgically amputating normal organs. It now appears that our long-ago decision was a wise one. A 2011 study at the Karolinska Institute in Sweden produced the most illuminating results yet regarding the transgender, evidence that should give advocates pause. The long-term study, up to 30 years, followed 324 people who had sex reassignment surgery. The study revealed that beginning about 10 years after the surgery, the transgender began to experience increasing mental difficulties. Most shockingly, their suicide mortality rose almost 20-fold above the comparable non-transgender population. This disturbing result has as yet no explanation, but probably reflects the growing sense of isolation reported by the aging transgendered after surgery. The high suicide rate certainly challenges the surgery prescription. Now, I must tell you something in all honesty. On the day that I was ordained almost 30 years ago now, if you had said to me that I would someday be addressing this particular subject in a weekend homily, with all due respect, I would have said you were nuts. So how did this happen? How did this issue become so important and so necessary to speak about? How did we get to the point in the United States of America where desperate acts of self-mutilation like this are actually called good and courageous? In fact, that's the word I've heard most often used in the mainstream media to describe what Bruce Jenner has done. They call it courageous. How did this happen? Well, it all goes back to that principle I mentioned at the very beginning of my homily. What's grown depends on what's sown. Think of the ideas that have been sown into the minds of Americans and others in the Western world for the last half century or so, for the last 50 years or so. Ideas such as freedom means 
doing whatever you want to do, not what you ought to do. So if you want to engage in some form of self-mutilation, go right ahead. Don't let anybody violate your freedom. Your freedom is most important. Feelings matter more than facts. So if you feel like a woman, it doesn't matter that biologically you happen to be a male with XY chromosomes. Ignore the science, ignore reality, follow your emotions, do what your feelings are telling you to do. It's your body, and you should be able to do whatever you want with it. When it comes to sex, almost anything goes. Self-indulgence leads to happiness. You should be able to decide for yourself what's right and what's wrong. There are no moral absolutes. Everything is relative. Do those ideas sound familiar? They should. Those are some of the seeds, the really bad seeds, the seeds of destruction that have been sown, planted in the minds of Americans on a daily basis for at least the last 50 years, especially in our universities, in the arts, and in the mainstream media. And now we are reaping the tragic harvest. Bruce Jenner, who needs our compassion and our prayers more than anything else, is just one example of it. But it does not have to be this way. And that's the message I want to focus your attention on as I close my homily this morning. I don't want to leave you on a negative note. I want to leave you on a positive note. Many people think hope, hope is gone. It's hopeless to try to change things. I don't believe that. There is still hope in the midst of the darkness. Jesus makes that clear to us in today's Gospel text with these parables about seeds. Notice here in this text that we just heard, he's talking specifically about good seeds and about the power of those good seeds, which are the seeds of the Kingdom of God, to grow in our world, even in the midst of the darkness around us. These are the seeds of truth, of love, of peace, and of happiness. And Jesus indicates there that these seeds grow by God's power, not by ours. But we have to plant them. That's key. We have to plant them. Remember, what's grown depends on what's sown. And as every farmer and gardener will tell you, the sowing doesn't happen magically. you got to work at it. When I planted a garden at my home in Barrington in the years after my father's death, he always planted a garden. In his memory, I carried that on for a number of years. But when I did that, I knew if I didn't put the seeds and the plants in the ground every spring, only weeds were going to grow in that section of our yard. And those weeds would grow quickly because that's how weeds grow. That's a law of nature, but it's also a law that applies to the spiritual dimension of our lives. Dear Lord, we ask you this morning to give us the desire, all of us, give us the desire to know the truth and to live the truth and to teach the truth, especially to our young people who are being exposed to the bad seed of the world 
constantly. Lord, give us that desire so that more and more of the good seed of your kingdom will grow among us. Amen.